Today we have our first millennial Varun Garg as a part of our show. Varun, welcome to the Brand Called You podcast. Thanks, very happy to be here. So you have a very exciting uh, 12, 13 years of work life. But before I get into your work life, you've studied in Singapore in early school. Then you came back to India to Vasant Valley. Then you went to Singapore again to Singapore Management University. Then you went to London Business School. So you've been to some of the best schools and best colleges. Talk to me a little bit about your early days before you started working. Yeah, so it was interesting. So of course we were based in Singapore when we were very young, and that was a very good international exposure at a young age. And then we moved back to India, joined Vasant Valley School, and I would say the first few months was difficult to adapt to move from an international setting into a kind of a local setting in India. But I think youth is the advantage. You make friends quickly. You enjoy things like cricket, which you didn't have in Singapore, and you get fully immersed. and somewhere singapore is always part of my life i feel and so after finishing at vasant valley singapore management university was an upcoming university at that time people were starting to hear about it one started to hear a lot about jobs in singapore asia as a booming region and so it made a lot of sense i mean one did consider us uk for further studies as well but singapore made a lot of sense at that point so went to do my economics degree there over there actually i did a course in marketing and it's one of those typical stories where a professor changes your view on a particular subject and so i did a marketing 101 course enjoyed it so much then i did brand management i did sports marketing and kind of made up my mind that there's something that i want to do in the marketing field i actually wanted to join a larger organization because i think when you're starting off young large organizations provide a bit more structure and for younger people to be able to understand how it works and i always wanted to be part of a consumer brand that was part of everyone's daily lives and so i looked at amex they gave me a very good opportunity and i've been with them since i've always known that i wanted to do an mba which is partly why i chose economics as an undergrad degree because i knew business i would do sometime later so got very good exposure within american express actually was fortunate enough to work on a lot of regional markets so at a very young age got exposure at indonesia vietnam malaysia I launched american express in bangladesh for the first time at a very young age so a lot of things that i would never expect and a lot of things that my own friends and colleagues weren't doing at the age of 23 24 i got that exposure so decided to go to london business school always wanted to do an mba and was fortunate enough that amex asked me to come back after that so somehow with i think with my life every time i leave singapore i find somewhere back to singapore yeah singapore beckons you but coming back to your earlier comment about professor reminds me of a very very old story when i was doing my mba and we used to have a professor called tarun gupta he used to be the marketing director of glaxo and he used to teach us marketing and he told me very clearly that marketing is not your cup of tea which ensured that i majored in finance so you are so right in your comment that a professor can make a big difference i did econometrics in the economics degree and i think the professor told me this is not your cup of tea <laughs> so very clearly then i said let me try and pursue marketing wonderful 
So staying at Singapore Management University, what made you choose Singapore and not the US or the UK? So I think from my perspective, it was, I think there was two factors. One is I always knew I wanted to go a little more West, but I think later on in life to do further studies. And I think the priority, which a lot of young people don't think of at that point of time when you're 18 years old is, where can I get a job after? And so when I'd heard a lot of stories about jobs in UK and US are difficult, employment pass is difficult, you may not be able to kind of work at the company of your choice. And so Singapore just seemed a very good option, like I said, because everyone talked about Asia booming, and everyone's still talking about Asia booming. So it's a very nice different perspective to get that. And I think coming from a UK or a US at the age of 21 into a Singapore environment would have been tough. But having gone to a local Singapore university, understood how the network works, how business operates, I think that was the major pull. So you seem to be in love with Singapore. How many years of your life have you lived in Singapore? I think I'm trying to calculate the percentage, but I would think about 70% of my life, I spent about 22 years in Singapore. Amazing. In that small little tiny island, just gave me everything. So it's a great place. Wonderful. You spoke about launching American Express in Bangladesh. That must have been quite an experience in such a developing country. Talk to me about what happened in Bangladesh. What was your experience like? Yeah, so it was interesting. So obviously coming from India, I thought Bangladesh would be similar. But when I landed in Dhaka for the first time, I thought this is like Delhi in 1989, 1990. So it did seem a little bit different to India. But again, that's where payments was just starting to take off. So it was very interesting because they've got a lot of good, very local banks. They are hungry. They want to do a lot in Bangladesh. And so the opportunity was great because I think they were very willing to learn from a company like Amex and a brand like Amex, where they really said, you guys are the experts. Tell us how to do it. And I think for me, the challenge was because I was young, I had to very quickly learn the ropes and explain it to others to be able to launch that. But I think great experience. It's one of those few markets where you can actually say that within a year, two years, we gained a significant amount of market share. And typically in developed markets, you know that even after 10 years, you can't move market share one percentage point. Hmm. So it was just a very different experience. Wonderful. And then you went to the London Business School. So I have a few questions associated with that. Because a lot of our listeners and viewers want to know about an MBA. And you went yeah. to, at that time, I think London Business School must have been the number one rated school in the world. How important is it to do an MBA? And number two, how important is it to go to a top business school? Yeah, so there's an interesting debate now, right? A lot of young people are saying uh, a master's and MBA is not important. I personally gained a lot from it. But to address your two points, I would say one, I think an MBA has a lot of value after you have some work experience. I think if you go for an MBA straight after undergrad without having worked in the corporate world or done any sort of either entrepreneurship experience or professional experience, I think you won't stand to gain as much out of it. There are things like management accounting. I studied in undergrad. It didn't make sense to me. I studied in an MBA four years after working and I realized management accounting is pretty much what I do on a daily basis, which is looking at numbers and reporting that to our management. Mm-hmm. Right. So small things like that make a very big difference after you have some work experience. So I would say I still do believe it's important. And I think the second is if you are going to take out time and money and opportunity cost of earning for two years, it's very important to go to one of the top branded MBA schools because that will stay with you for life. I think it really depends on a person's objective. A lot of people come to MBA to change their career path. Mm-hmm. And so I do see a lot of value, but I definitely would recommend choosing a list of schools that is among the top names and, uh, and going there. So what happens to compensation before and after an MBA? 
So it varies a little bit. And again, the one important point that I wanted to make is when you come out of an MBA, I think compensation is quite set. Whether you're looking at investment banking, consulting or industry, you know, whether you come out at 28 or 32 or 35, the compensation is kind of set. I believe the negotiation power is limited, especially if you're trying to change industries. And so that's why... For me personally, compensation moved very well because I went at a young age. And that's why typical average age of MBA schools is probably around 28, 29. I think I applied when I was 25. And so you get the benefit of the compensation jump as well. But really, it depends on your objective. If you're coming in at 30 and you want a career change and you're willing to stay at the same compensation or even a little bit less, it can work that. And at 25, you went with how many years? Uh, Four years experience. Four years experience. So So that would be appropriate for any young person wanting to apply absolutely i would say minimum three probably between three to five somewhere is the right number minimum three just because it takes you time in your first three years just to understand how business operates and how did you prepare for applying for your mba so it takes a lot of time i mean of course you have to go through some of these admin tests like the gmat etc so those are important but i think it's really around what story and what message you want to tell and i know a lot of people who try to prepare for an mba in four weeks And that four weeks is I'll write my GMAT and I'll create the story. But it really, to me, doesn't work that way. It took me a few months to craft my story. What is it, the message that I wanted to say? How would I convince a school that I can add value to their school? You know, ultimately, a school wants to look at what's what's your alumni network post coming out of an MBA. So it takes time to craft that story. So... What I would say is I know a lot of people who do it in a rushed manner, but I don't think that's the right approach because you'll also end up choosing a school that may not match your personality. I think London Business School really matched with my personality, whereas some of the American schools may not have. And I think probably through the research and through the application, the effort I put in, it was a good match. Okay. Varun, you spent 13 years, I think, with American Express. You must be one of the few people who have spent so long with one organization. Talk to us about the advantages and disadvantages of staying with one company. Yeah, so it's a very anti-millennial thing today. I think most people switch every two to three years. Mm. And so this is really off the regular trend. But again, I would say that there's two factors for me that get me here. One is, I think so long as you're learning and the company is allowing you to grow, I see no harm in staying. I think it really depends on individual to individual. But I think so long as you're learning, so long as the company is giving you new roles, opportunities to grow, which is what has happened for me, I think it's a great environment. Today, I see a lot of power of the relationships that I've built, understanding of the small things like systems, technologies that I didn't understand five, seven years ago is really helping me to grow today. The second thing I would say is that I think when you move around, let's say I was in marketing and I moved every three years, I would pretty much be exposed to getting jobs in other companies, maybe different industries in the marketing function. I think having stayed at one place for so long, I've had exposure to business development, finance, marketing, strategic planning, work closely with legal, compliance. So that is an all-rounded experience that I think you get when you are at one place for longer versus changing. And so you might become a little more specialized there. And I guess today you're marketing director of American Express in Singapore. I guess after you spent so many years, the organization also starts to trust you. Yeah, absolutely. So they know that what you're doing is for the best intention. You understand how to navigate a large organization. So yeah, I think the whole thing just works. Okay. So moving on, I know you run a very, very successful blog on cricket. And you mentioned that your first introduction to cricket really happened when you moved back to India. And I was looking at your Facebook page and you've got some 75 or 80,000 people who view your one tip, one hand, edges and sledges, a podcast. Talk to us a little bit about your podcast. So, like I said, we moved back to India in 1996. We were lucky enough that the month we moved back, the Cricket World Cup was going on in India. And my dadi was a big cricket fan. So, she sat and explained 
every small little rule from what is an LBW to what is a caught behind mm-hmm. to why does the umpire put his finger up when the batsman starts walking. So literally for the first 10 years of my life, I didn't know anything about cricket. Then you come to India, which is a country where honestly, if I meet some Indian who says they don't know much about cricket, it's shocking mm-hmm. because you can't avoid it in this country. Everything on a daily basis that I do revolves around cricket, mm-hmm. whether it's conversations with friends, whether it's fights, arguments, emotions. Everything revolves around cricket. Mm-hmm. And so what we did is there was a bit of an evolution of this blog. So my friend and I, we went to school together. He started it in 2014, I think. It was called One Tip One Hand. He started it as a blog. He asked me to come on board and start writing for him. So we wrote for about a year. We tried doing different things. We found that there's a little bit of fatigue with our day jobs to be writing regularly and it became a bit of a chore. We then started doing something interesting, which is traveling for cricket. So over the last four years, I think I've been to Australia, South Africa, England, of course, watched games in India just to watch cricket. And so there's this new kind of thing that we are starting, which is following the team, enjoying watching them live. And of course, they made for great holidays as well. And so what we did is on one trip, we went live on Facebook through our page and we had started getting some followers. And when we went live as a video, we started seeing people logging on, watching our video and starting to comment. And we were interacting with some of the followers. And so we said, hey, maybe this written blog approach is moving into the old. Maybe video and podcasts are what's new. And so we kind of just completely spun it off. My brother joined us as well. So we've now got a podcast. We do it every week. We're on all the major platforms like Spotify, Anchor. And I think our USP is really that we're not claiming to be experts. We're just talking as fans of the game. And three friends who would be watching a game together in a room. I think the chat is just around me. So yes, it's I've, a lot of fun. I've heard some of your podcasts and yeah. I love the banter that goes yeah. on between the three of you. Absolutely. So I think that's the USB of the show. It's mm. not claiming to know more about cricket than anyone else. In fact, I would say we don't probably yeah. know more about cricket. Yeah. But it's just a different, it's a fan's view and it's just friends talking about cricket. Moving on to a few more personal things. You're quite a fitness freak. You know, you work out, you were telling me six days a week and some very, very intensive workouts you do. Tell us a little bit about your fitness regimen that you follow. So it started about 12 months ago. I think the reason I do it is really so that I can eat whatever I want because I love food. So it started 12 months ago. I think what I do is I tried this new thing called high intensity and it's very popular among youngsters called HIT high intensity interval training. It allows you to do probably one and a half hours of workout in 50 minutes. It's very intense. It allows me to do it during a work day mm-hmm. because it's short. And so, yeah, I, I think I really enjoy it. I think the fitness is such that when you're doing it, you want to do more. Mm-hmm. When you stop doing it, then you get too lazy to go back into the gym. Mm-hmm. So I hope I can just continue mm-hmm. it. And I like your organization, which respects your wanting to go to the gym in, at lunchtime. Yeah, absolutely. So it's really great. I think every organization in Singapore gives you certain lunch hours. You have to work around it. I think I do come home and work at night, but I try to make it a point to figure out how to go to the gym in the day. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to have a little bit of flexibility. So what 13 years of work, same organization. What keeps you going every morning? What is the excitement that you look forward to every morning when you wake up? Yeah, so I spoke a little bit about the the market share piece, which is always wanted to see how I can continue to grow faster than the market. Payments is an interesting trend nowadays. Everyone's talking about it. But I think two, three years ago, I moved into a people leadership role. And I feel that that's really what drives me every day. I enjoy this. So for the first 10 years of my career, I was an individual contributor, learning how to do things on my own and getting better at it, getting faster at it. But two, three years ago, I moved into a people leadership role. So today, I lead a team of 14 people. 
And I think that's really what's interesting because every day is different. Every day is spending time with the team, helping them. Full joke saying that basically if something escalates, it's a problem. Nothing good ever escalates. So it's always dealing with problems, figuring out things on the spot, helping your team to be able to run faster. So I think that's what motivates me. One more question, which I love to ask all our guests. Talk to me about a learning that you had from a failure. This is an interesting one. I think most of the guests on your show would have talked about corporate Correct. experience. I think I don't have that level of experience yet, but I'll just talk about in my high school years. I was, so I was not the best of students. And at one point I was almost considering dropping maths as a subject. And it got a lot of backlash from everyone around me, including my teachers. And everyone said, how can you drop it? And I was very adamant on dropping it. I think maybe some sense prevailed and I did not drop it with just the view that It's okay if I don't score well in maths. It's something that I think forms a basic and a fundamental for the future. And so I would say that because I was hell-bent stuck on dropping it and the fact that I was at that age open or willing to listen to some of the people who have a little more experience than me who basically said, yes, high school math is about trigonometry and integration and differentiation and you'll probably never use those things. But it's the fundamentals and the basics that you carry throughout. And I do see some of those benefits today, right? No matter which industry you're in, at the end of the day, it's always going to come down to numbers. Mm. So I think persisting with something without thinking too much of, you know, will I get 19 maths? Will I get 18 maths? I think without that objective, it was much easier for me to know that, well, I don't have to achieve a certain result. I'm doing this to, for the rest of my life. Mm. And I would say that persistence really helped me. I guess you being a little modest because... When I was reading your bio, it said that you topped CBSE India in economics. Yeah, I think that was a big shock factor for me too. I remember <laughs> when the marks came out, we had to check it twice to see if it was the marks or actually the code of the subject. So yeah, I think that was a pleasant surprise. Okay. Last question for you. If you were starting life at 21, what would your advice be to yourself? I think if I was starting life at 21, it would probably be take a little bit more risk. I think I've played it a little bit safe in terms of career, choosing the best school. It's worked out well for me. And so that's why I can look back and say that take a little bit more risk. But yeah, I I don't think I'll change too much, actually. Okay. Okay, Varun, thank you very much for giving us time. Thank you. We're having you on the show and look forward to seeing you again soon. Thank you for listening to our podcast. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Brand Called You, and never miss any update. For feedback, reach us on at HT Smartcast. We are present on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To listen to more podcasts by The Brand Called You, log on to www.htsmartcast.com or suno nai nazari essay. This was an HD Smartcast original. HD Smartcast.